Now finally gave the Ringers Philly crew a podcast. I'm Ben Solak. And I'm Shiel Kapadia. That's right, just a couple Philly guys with the new space to fire off some Eagles takes, get caught up in the Sixers chaos and more. We'll be coming to you twice a week on Sundays and Thursdays, plus bonus episodes whenever we get breaking news or Philly drama. Plus when Harden and Embiid somehow convince you suckers that this year is going to be different, our fellow Philly stands at the Ringer will have you covered on the Sixers and all your other favorite teams in town. It's Philly Sports Shield. What could possibly go wrong? Join the fun and follow the Ringer's Philly special now on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Chicago everywhere, check it. It's not enough Chicago. We just don't have enough Chicago people. Jason Goff is here. Well, I'm at Full Go. The Full Go Podcast. The Full Go. Bears, Bulls, White Sox, Cubs, and Blackhawks. Our man, Jason Goff. Three times a week with Jason Goff. His mood is elevated. <laughs> he is feeling good. Jason, I'm loving the Full Go. Love the Full Go. The Full Go. The Full Go. Welcome to Full Go with Jason Goff. That is what I'm talking about. Talking about. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Go with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Yeah. What episode is this? Oh, we are at episode number 247. Episode 247 of The Full Go Podcast uh, with Jason Goff. That's me. Brought to you by The Ringer. And of course, Spotify is the gang. The voices that you have already heard. One of our chief vibes officer. He is Chris Sutton. Tony Gill is off tonight. And I have the esteemed pleasure and tribute and honor to talk to a man who I enjoy listening to when he talks about basketball, hell, when he tweets about basketball, when he posts about, and also, I, I, I'll, I'll say this about one Brian Geltziler of SiriusXM and NBA TV fame. Um, his kids have the most birthdays of any dad I have ever seen on Facebook. I'm I, Brian, I, we have never talked about this, but I swear to God, every week, it seems like your daughter's birthday is around the corner, and I'm seeing the, the Geltziler kids, you know, celebrated. <laughs> so here's the thing. This is what happens when you have way too many kids. I have four <laughs> kids and their birthdays are like literally like each three months apart. So once we get done with one birthday, I got to go to the next one. And the thing is, once you start wishing them a Facebook happy birthday, you uh, can't miss it, Jay. So now you skip one. Well, you did my sister. You didn't do me. What are you talking about? <laughs> All of a sudden I got problems. What do I need those headaches for? So you know what? Let's yeah. Everybody gets their wonderful, kind, terrific words from dad on Facebook with great pictures and and 
all my Facebook friends just have to suffer a little bit, brother. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, I, I feel you. I feel you. That's the uh, that's the social media, you know, uh, finger trap that we get ourselves that's in. That's correct. Like, uh-oh, I got to do it every year now. Like, if you mess around and, and miss a Mother's Day or miss a Father's Day or something You're of done. that nature, it's like, do, do are they are they uh, on the outs? Is there a problem? It's like, correct. no, I was, just, I was just hanging out with the actual person that you wanted me to celebrate in front of your, uh, in front of your eyes for your That's your correct. Insecurity. It's the Facebook rabbit hole, man. <laughs> Once you're it in is. it and you fall in, you can't get out. And that's yeah. where I am. I'm stuck. So yeah. what are you going to do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Other than, you know, watch aunts and uncles argue about politics and take a look at all your high school classmates who didn't quite make it uh, in life. That's, that's <laughs> so the only reason Facebook <laughs> exists these days. All right, Brian. I got it. I got, I got it. We got to get into this because uh, the game just wrapped up as we are recording here on a Thursday night, a therapy Thursday. Um, why was this one so easy to call between the Heat and Celtics for game five? Like why? Everybody was like, yeah, Celtics going to win this game. And it's, it's said and done. This was before the Gabe Vincent injury as well. Like I heard everybody saying, all right, game five is the Celtics because of what they did in game four and elimination style games. You know, Jason Tatum is building quite the legacy for elimination style games that he has uh, performed in. But why was game five so easy to call? Because ultimately it's good. the same reason that game Game five is so easy to call, Jay, is the same reason that game six is game seven to the Miami Heat. Because one thing I'm going to tell you about Boston is that they're too talented to lose more than two games at home in a playoff series. And they've already lost two at home in this series. And, and that's, the, that's ultimately the big thing in terms of why tonight was easy to call. You knew the Celtics were going to come back with a mission. They have found something here offensively in terms of just their spacing is better. The pick and pops, they're getting the, the right kind of separation. They shot it really good again from three again tonight. But here's the thing. The looks were good looks. The, mm-hmm. the reason they're shooting it so well from three these last two games is they're getting much better shots. Miami's not closing out as well as they were closing out. Listen, one of the things that has struck me about the Heat is how smart and disciplined they are like the way these guys process scouting reports from in a split second is amazing. Like I'm looking at two guys, like I'm looking at Derek White and I'm looking at Marcus Smart. And I know that I have to run at Derek White and don't run at Marcus Smart. And the right. Heat were just doing it, but that stuff's not as efficient. The other thing that's killing Miami right now, they're not good enough. They're not talented enough to be able to win games on this level when they're turning the ball over 15 and 16 times, which is what they've done in the last two games. Their turnovers have to be in the single digits. Now, I will say this tonight. Tonight, some of that was really good aggressive defense by the Celtics. Yeah. Celtics played excellent defense tonight. So some of that is, is definitely coming from the Boston side. But listen, the turnovers, the not guarding the three-point line in the same way, this stuff is stuff that kills you on this level in the conference final. So uh, I, I always like to look, obviously, at the best players and you'll find the characteristics and personality of the squad. This Celtics team, man, you got three guys who are in different phases of being the man. Like Marcus Smart thinks he's as good as Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, and he's got his Defensive Player of the Year trophy and his big deal to kind of throw out there on the table. And of course, Jalen Brown, I always feel like Jalen Brown is looking over at Jason Tatum like, I'm better than him and someday I'm going to show the world. And Jason Tatum is, is the reluctant, like, I'm the best guy on this team by far and when I turn it up, I'm the better defender than Jason uh, than Jalen Brown and of course, I can give you 50 in an elimination game. Those three guys, um, 
this I, I don't think that the Miami Heat are going to lose four games in a row. I could be wrong, uh, but the way these injuries are stacking up, I thought Caleb Martin was down for the count. That look, he yeah. had the he had the he had the Giannis Antetokounmpo bounce back right there with that knee. I was like, holy shit! Caleb Martin has made himself some money in that Gary Trent Jr. kind of vibe, where it's like, okay, this guy can be a viable rotation player, obviously on an Eastern Conference contender, but. Why don't the Celtics do this more often? And what's going on with those three guys over this last three years, including finals runs and all the accolades? Like, what's still there chemistry-wise? Because it still seems like there are times when there are four or five strangers wearing the same Celtics uniform. There's some of that. Listen, some of that I hang on the head coach this year in particular. And it hasn't been perfect in other years. But Ine Doka last year made these guys play together offensively. He called them out publicly. He, you know, smart got on his side kind of to get Tatum and Brown on the same page. And Tatum and Brown are on the same page right now. It's just that the, when the, the problem with the way Missoula runs this offense is that it's a little bit too equal opportunity, Jay. Like, mm. you know, you have to run some stuff through your best guy sometimes. And so much of what they're doing where Tatum gets going is other guys deferring to Tatum as opposed to stuff being run to get Tatum going organically. And, and listen, so first games in the series, the dude attempted three shots combined in the two fourth quarters. Zero in the fourth quarter of game one and three in the fourth quarter of game two. Dude, Taylor's to 51 in a game seven against Philadelphia. Are you kidding me? Like, it, But that's some of that's got to come from the sidelines and Missoula, I don't want to rolling the balls out because they do run a system, but it is a, it, it's got to be, hey, listen, we need to get the ball to our, to our best players more. The thing with Jalen Brown that's totally holding him back, and, and we may have reached a point with Jalen Brown where he is what he is, where I don't know how much more he's going to, how much better he's going to get, how much more he's going to improve. And this is a fantastic player. He's a yeah, second-team yeah. All-NBA guy. I voted him there this year. I thought he deserved to be there. He's fantastic. Um, but he handles the ball really poorly, dude. And and I and I think there's the turnover aspect for him is kind of what really – and listen, Tatum turns it over too, but Tatum is such a good, bad shot maker. Like he, he just, you can guard him really well and play great defense on him and he's hitting shots over you and there's nothing you can do about it. Brown, who will get by you at times and find his way to good shots, doesn't make bad shots in the same way Tatum does. And then there's Smart, who's on a different level, who, yes, he thinks he's as good as those guys. And that's the best and worst thing about him because it's the best thing about him because you love that cockiness, that arrogance that he brings, the, the the mental and physical toughness. You love all that stuff. You don't love that Smart decides that, you know, I'm taking this three with five seconds left, even though Jason Tatum's wide open against me because I'm not every bit as good as him. Like, so that's the stuff that kills you with him. But I, I will say this about Missoula. I've been so critical of Joe Missoula. And I still listen. I still think he's lacked with the job that he's done, even though they're back yeah, he's in the series. He's totally overmatched, but he's been overmatched the whole time. The thing right. that I'll say with him that I've got to give him credit for that I've been critical of him with is, listen, he stuck with Smart so much this year when it didn't look good with Smart early in the playoffs when he should have been going more with White and Brogdon, but he had his purpose for sticking with Smart, and now he's being rewarded for it. Smart's playing really well here in these last two games, and it's been a huge reason why they're 3-2 going into game six in this series, Jack. I uh I said that I don't think the Heat are going to lose four games in a row, but if this thing does happen that way and this monumental upset one in 150 type of chances happens, um, are we going to see it be the same way we saw kind of in the bubble, just with different pieces? Because I've you know Jimmy Butler while he was here in Chicago, 
Um, you know, I, I made no bones about it. Like uh, the things that you saw in Minnesota, the things you saw in Philadelphia and the things that you haven't seen in Miami, because there's obviously a different atmosphere and, and a different infrastructure. Uh, they were happening in Chicago and Jimmy was always the guy who would armor and himself and his hard work and kind of alienate the guys around him. And uh, it, it became a, a thing. Um, but I've always loved the fact that He's worked harder than everybody. He's a terrifically skilled basketball player, and he's worked himself into that. But much like the bubble, you know, when when you ask a guy to be what Jimmy Butler is asked to be, how much gas can he and does he have in the tank? Um, he sat the whole fourth quarter in game five, so he's going to be ready to roll in game six. But uh, I think you're going to see some of the things rear their ugly heads and make this thing a little hairy unless they have some terrific, ridiculous, you know, 17 threes made in game six situation. Jimmy Butler being your best player and eventually running out of gas because he's asked to do the Jimmy Butler stuff on both ends of the court all the time. Do you think that's going to be um, something that rears its ugly head in game six and seven? If it goes that far? Maybe in game seven. I don't think so in game six. I I kind of think we got to get ready for a big Butler performance in game six. And this is the reason why. We've seen this before with Jimmy. We saw it last year, if you remember. In, in leading into game seven, he did not play mm-hmm. well. And game seven, he was a monster. Yet when Butler has a bad game and you're the other team, be nervous. Like, because the next one he's going to come out, he's going to, with his home crowd behind him, he's going to, Butler is, is absolutely going to be hyped up in a way as more so than when Grant Williams was going chin to chin with him. You know what I mean? Like he's, this Butler's going to be ready. My worry for the heat is this, is the Vincent injury one too many? Like yeah. they're not that deep, dude. And that's, At all. that's a big fucking issue. Okay. They're not that deep. So like you look tonight, like they went Vincent to Lowry. Lowry was shit tonight, man. He did not play well at all, Jay. And so you see what I, those limited minutes hide, right? hundred <laughs> percent right. So you got to play him a lot. And there's a reason why Spoh's been starting Gabe Vincent all this time. So you wonder. And listen, Highsmith came in late and hit some shots, and he played okay. But is are, is he an answer in Game Six of the Conference Finals? Now listen, Spoh's got confidence in everybody. Undrafted free agents, they've developed them, and maybe Highsmith ends up being a guy that gives them some minutes here. But you wonder: is this Vincent injury just one? too many for them as well as Martin has played. Can he continue to play at at this level? I don't know. You know, you can't keep Kevin Love out there because Boston's been very good at finding him and picking her all in this series. So you start to like the numbers start to dwindle a little bit. You know, Robinson does a lot for you offensively and competes defensively, but he's not good. Like you have to hide him. So what does that equate to for Miami? A lot more zone. And Boston has gotten comfortable with the zone. The beauty of the zone is the spotting of the zone. Where you put the zone in, teams get off rhythm, you switch back to man, switch back to zone. Like Spo does a beautiful job with that. But now when you're going to be overmatched in multiple spots defensively, and all of a sudden you've got to play a lot more zone. Like, and I think that's been part of here what's gotten Boston going. Boston's cool with this zone. They're going to move the ball around a little bit. They're going to find an open guy. They're getting a lot of open threes off the catch. Like, so I'm worried. That's my worry for Miami is not about Butler and Butler wearing down. It's like, do we just have enough viable playoff talent? 
caliber, healthy bodies to put on the floor against a team as talented as the Celtics with the what they play one through seven. Yeah, and also, how, how are you going to rebound out of that zone too, right? Like, yep, getting all of right. those extra shots is part of why the first four games of this series kind of went the way that they went. And now, you, you, you got one guy down, and, and like I said, you know, Caleb Martin, he bounced back, he stayed in the game, but Tyler Hero is down, right? Kyle Lowry isn't allowed to play big minutes, and if he is allowed to play big minutes, he's he's a liability sometimes defensively. I, I just wonder, um, like now I guess I'm starting to talk myself into, like, will this thing go seven games? What, what do you think is going to happen in game six before we move on to the Western Conference? So, if I, I, listen, I will say this. I do think that uh, that Miami finishes it off. And that's because of a supreme level of confidence in Jimmy Butler. I think we're finally going to get a close game. And I think Miami's the better team in close games. And I think that's an important element here. Last two have been, you know, today, this one was only 13. It was a blowout the whole time. You know, they just, they just narrowed it late. But I, I do think Miami's going to win. But I, as you heard, I have my grave concerns for Miami in this matchup. I, I think that Boston's got a lot of momentum. And the thing that would scare me the most if I'm Miami, is so the Celtics had a very ugly loss at home in game five to Philly and we're down three, two and they came back from three, two and roared back in game six and game seven. How we got to three, two in this series is completely immaterial right now, Jay. It doesn't matter. Not the three, two. That's what it is. Okay. Boston's comfortable and good at coming back off three, two. They've showed you they can do it. They've showed you they can win one on the road. Game six in Philly. I was in the building that night and, and the way Tatum lit it up late after not hitting a shot all night. Boston believes that they can do it, but the close game is what I worry about with Boston because as as Bill Simmons of the ringer, your guy there calls him second row Joe. Like you, <laughs> you worry that he's not going to call the timeout right. at the right time. He's going to stick with the wrong guy. His ATOs are not going to be what even close to what Spo's ATOs are. And all that shit matters when you're down the stretch in these kind of big playoff spots. One possession could switch it one yeah. way or the other. And I still just don't have that kind of confidence in Missoula. No doubt. How many possessions can your coach steal you, right? Can you, can you steal his three to four possessions yep. in, a, in a game that might be the difference in the game is uh is what's on joe missoula's head we'll be back with more of the full goal with jason golf after a word from our sponsors this episode is brought to you by hotels.com i was traveling internationally last year i was in mallorca i didn't know the island well i said let me head to the north head towards the water let me go on hotels.com and see what they have available something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier, thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. What up, world? It's Vic Spencer, and you're listening to The Full Goal with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Before we go to the Western Conference, Jason Tatum is always a guy who, yeah, you know, I remember when he 
burst onto the scene and we had that, oh, is this the guy that's going to be in the Eastern Conference that's going to, you know, go up against LeBron and be the formidable opponent and his, you know, Davis Love or David Duvall to, to LeBron's Tiger Woods. And and then like that. there was that that little bit of a, you know, growth period where it's like, okay, we, we did it too early. But it seems like every other year we do the, all right, this is it. Okay, now it's not. All right, this is it now. And we look up, and this dude is a a a young veteran in the league, a, a star in the league, a, a player who's an All NBA player, a player who seemingly keeps growing. He's six foot ten. He's got all the skills in the world. Like you mentioned, he comes from that Kobe school of tough shot making. Trained with Kobe, uh, so. Where do you put Jason Tatum in the pantheon of NBA players right now that we we fear? in terms of what they can do, not only in a big game, but in a series? Like, where, where do you have him? So, all right. So if we look at it, like, and, and I think you kind of almost have to do it man to man. So again, who are you more fearful of, Tatum or a guy like Giannis with the ball in his hand late in the game in a big spot? Probably mm. Tatum, because if I can force yeah. Giannis into an outside shot, I'm going to like that. Yeah. Um, Tatum or Jokic? It's close. It's probably Jokic because he can get himself into a closer spot. But like, think of the guys we're talking about him with. I mean, you could go like Tatum or Curry, Steph Curry. That's an easy one. Um, Tatum or Embiid. That's also an easy one. Tatum. So by the the names get low. Tatum or Luca. Probably Tatum. Right. So you start to compare him to all these guys. I only said one that I'd maybe two that I'd rather have. So he's probably third behind Jokic and Curry. Like that's and really all MVP candidates. Well, right. And listen, Tatum finished fourth this year. Well deserved. Right. All yeah. MVP candidates. But you look at, listen, the regular season is the regular season. The playoffs are the playoffs. Tatum has performed enough in the playoffs. And, and so many people forget this. Somebody asked me in a radio interview today. They're like, you know, is, is these, you know, is Jason Tatum ever going to get back here? Is this a sign that he's not a guy that can win the big one? I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I mean, I didn't say that, but that's like, like dude, like he's tw- only halfway through 20, his career. Not even, he's 25 years old and look at how freaking good he is. And well, by the way, he's was better last year than he was the year before. And he's better this year than he was last year. I mean, I mean he's for him to do what he's done. He took a team at the age of 24 to game six of the NBA finals and, and, and he led it. There's no two ways about it. He led that team there. He's going to be a champion at one point or another. Let's just put a little perspective. And I know your Chicago fans are going to feel me on this. Michael Jordan didn't win his first till 27. Jason Tatum's only 25. And no, I'm not comparing the two players. But what I am saying is that that's a guy with the resume is the greatest, one of the greatest winners in the history of sports. And and he was a guy that everybody said couldn't beat the Pistons, couldn't win mm-hmm. the big one for mm-hmm. how many years. And then, well, then the floodgates opened up. I don't know the floodgates open up for Tatum, but I will tell you this. He will be the best player on more than one championship team between now and the time he retires. This Denver Nuggets run. Uh, historically, I, I I hope it gets the credit that it that it deserves. Uh, Chris Mannix today uh, is all in the news because of what he said about this not being an interesting team, and I kind of understood what he was talking about in terms of the juice and the story that writers and talkers look for. This isn't the most compelling squad to cover, but when you look at it, and this is part of the reason why Bulls fans were so enamored with the thought of Arturis Karnaschovas becoming the the head decision maker here in Chicago because he was part of the group that put that thing together where you're looking at draft picks. I mean, hell, they, they had Bobo, right? They, they, they had right. all these, you know, Nikola Jokic is the 41st pick. Um, you know, Monte Morris was one of my favorite players in the NBA until he went to Washington. Me and too. I'm a huge Monte Morris fan. Right? He's on the old Gelts team, Monte Morris. I love, I love him. him. Love him. <laughs> 
<laughs> right? Right? And you got Michael Porter Jr. who, uh, coming out of high school, people are like, all right, this is going to be Kevin Durant style, six foot ten player who can do everything on the offensive end. Jamal Murray is back from his knee injury like he never left. Like, this thing that we're watching right now, and even the way they've done it against the people they've done it against. Like, LeBron with a bad tendon in his right foot and 38 years old had to muscle up 31 points in the first half of an elimination game. They smiled at it. <laughs> they, they did the show enough where they caught the bullet you know, with their teeth and then kept it moving. Like, this, this Denver Nuggets squad, if they had the sexier uh, star or if they had the, the, the different uh, atmosphere in terms of city and location, we'd be talking about this with different uh, reverence. But since it's Denver and since, you know, the brand on the can, which I talk about all the time, like you, sometimes you look at something, you go, yeah, man, the Clippers can't make the fucking finals. They're the Clippers, no matter yeah. who's on the team, right? Like the right. brand on the can for Denver is something that we only had to get used to when we were talking about Alex English and Kiki Vandeway and then Dikembe Mutombo. Like it was all spot players who we truly respected, but right. an organization that we never really had to char- you know, get used to. This thing has been amazing to watch, and I don't know that it's going to stop no matter who they face in the Eastern Conference. Uh, this is the best team in the league right now. I will say this. Anybody that is, doesn't think the Nuggets are interesting doesn't know the Nuggets <laughs> because when you watch them, they play beautiful basketball. First of all, he's uh, Jokic is so special. <laughs> And it, the things he does with a basketball in his hand, the fact that he's a threat from anywhere on the floor in the half court, the fact that he can play five positions for you, he looks really awkward doing it and no one is more effective. <laughs> and, but it's just, he, it, he's taken the talent and the ability to put up numbers and get rebounds and find open people for baskets and score himself and now translate it into, we can do this and play winning basketball. And it's a beautiful thing. Listen, Jamal Murray is a big time playoff performer. He's got the guts of a burglar, dude. He's got balls. He'll take any shot anywhere at any time. And he knows that he can hit it. But my favorite part of this team is they're together. Like they really like playing with each other. It's, it's not a bullshit us against the world mentality. It's, you know what I mean? These guys love each other. They want to play together. They don't give a shit who gets credit. They love the big man and the big man loves them right back and just wants to be one of the guys. There's no, like some of the teams you hear about, like the superstar divide, right? The team's LeBron's on generally. Even this Laker team, it's LeBron and AD and kind of everybody else. Right. That's the way the locker room divides up. Listen, LeBron's a, he's a, he's a, 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 a pop culture icon at this point mm. for what he's done. So like, yeah, it's going to be that way. The Nuggets don't have that shit. You know, like it's just, you know, they, Jokic loves these guys. They know how great he is and they think he's really cool because he doesn't act like he's that great. And so that's something that works for them. And listen, Jay, Michael Malone, has his finger on the pulse of this team. Yeah, if they're not doing it, he will publicly embarrass them. He's done it in the past. He'll do it again. They know that they will. But I will also say this. The most unsung guy in this team is Michael Porter Jr. As much as we talk about everybody else, because Brown's been great. Pope's been great. You know, Gordon gave you that great game four. Michael Porter Jr. came into the league and was just an offensive player, was just a scorer. He's putting up games with rebounds and assists. He's not taking a lot of shots. He's guarding well. He's just being unselfish, making the extra pass. And at his 
at 6'10", his athletic ability, who he can be on the perimeter, what he can be inside, just all of those things together combined with Michael Porter Jr. And that's an incredibly effective, like, third banana slash lead role player. Like, and that's what he's become. So you look at all this. Listen, the thing you worry about with the Nuggets is they're, just, they're only playing seven also. They have seven guys. Mm-hmm. That's it. They're not going to go past that. So you worry about him a little bit from a depth standpoint. But listen, I just talked about Miami being <laughs> close to running out of guys. The Celtics tonight played eight, but Brogdon only played seven minutes and is hurt, which means if Brogdon's not going to play much more going forward, they're only going to play seven. So the deeper you get in the playoffs and the fact that games are spaced out more now as you go to the finals, the fact that they play seven won't matter as much. Time for some commercials. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Bulls talk with Jason Goff on the full goal. Flies in with a two-handed slam dunk. Brought to you by The Ringer, a Spotify original. All right, so now we switch it to the local yokels. Uh, There's a lot in the water. These last couple of days and coming off the draft combine and, you know, the the draft lottery and had Bulls fans with bated breath trying to sit back, hoping they would get a top four protected pick so they don't have to look at this trade for Nikola Vucevic in infamy for years to come, uh, which I think we will. Um, Zach Levine, when Zach Levine went to Team USA and played the way that he did and came back. I tried to let everybody know, and this is no shot against Zach, but once you're around players of that ilk and you fit in, you come back home and you look around and you go, wait a minute, <laughs> this ain't it. Yeah. And I, I, the Lakers game, it stands out to me. Rich Paul in the front row, right? And he's a clutch client. You know, he can go watch LeBron play anytime. And Rich Paul was in the front row. Zach Levine went crazy against the Lakers in the in the game that they played in LA this year. And I was telling anybody they would listen to me, Kendall Gill, Will Purdue, my guys who I do the pre and post game show with. Hey man, just watch this. He was still miffed about the Orlando benching from Billy Donovan. Um, the DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine um tandem at the end of the season because DeMar's injury uh, slowed him down a little bit. Zach had to take over a little bit. I thought they should have been putting the ball in Zach's hands a lot more, especially after the all-star break when you knew, you know, daddy wasn't coming home in the form of Alonzo Ball, right? Like you knew you knew you were going to have to go at this thing with Io DeSumo and then trade for Patrick Beverly. I thought, okay, put the ball in Zach Levine's hands and let the game tell him how good he is. 
You know, let him turn it over. Let him do all those things right. so you can get humbled or yes. you can raise your level of play. And now we're here in the offseason and these things are popping up again. And it's other GMs saying these things now about how there's a possibility that this Bulls triumvirate will not be uh, going forward. Now, Arturis Karnaschovas and those guys have preached continuity, but from a national perspective, from the from the guys and girls that you talk to around the league and on Sirius XM NBA radio, what are the thoughts of this Bulls team and the disappointment that this thing has been over the last couple of years? Well, listen, I, I think you have to start with this because I think Lonzo Ball was a really important part of what they were planning, Jay. And it's very easy to shovel dirt on Arturis Karnasovic, um, on Mark Eversley. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to turn around and say, hey, well, shit, this didn't work. Your plan sucks. No, your plan didn't suck. Um, listen, the Vucevic trade was a little bit of a panic trade, and you gave up way too much for him. And now you're in a really tough spot with having to make a decision on what you're going to do as he goes into free agency with him. Because the thing is, if you want to continue to grow with this group, you can't afford to let Bruce go. But I don't know that I think you kind of got a ceiling that's not far above where you are now. And if that's the case, how the hell do you pay Bruce, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so, so you have, you're caught between that with him. The Lonzo thing has made it much tougher, but you have no clue. No, Lonzo's going to play this year. No idea what you're going to get out of him. So if Lonzo's going to become a sunken cost, and ultimately, listen, all it's going to take is one dumb team out there to offer Bruce three years. Okay, three years, ninety million. He's going to grab it from somebody. So for the Bulls, do you want to be tied to him at thirty million a year right now, when pretty much your ceiling is the top end of the play-in, the bot like a six-seven seed? That's your ceiling right now, you know. And then you turn around and, and you got to answer this question: Demar Derozan just had two tremendous years for the Bulls. Is his value getting any higher at his age? Probably not. So if you're ever going to bring anything back for him, now's the time. So here's my point: Where's all that leave Zach Levine? You know, and do you want Zach there to try to see if you can steward not a rebuild, but a real retool around a group of young guys? That to me is probably the short term best thing that you can do. And if you're going to devote money to guys in free agency, it's to say, hey, let's keep some of our own guys here. You have Caruso under contract. You're going to have to make a financial decision on Patrick Williams sometime soon. Make sure you keep him. Colby White's coming sooner than that. I know. A lot of people don't love what they've seen out of Kobe White. I think there's something there. I think he can be a, a pretty good player in this league. You know, and I think there's definitely some upside for him here. So I'd almost say, listen, let's get some reasonable contracts on some of these guys that we drafted. Even DeSunmo, who's a nice rotation player. Like, put some of those guys under here. Put Zach there. See if we can fill in on some shorter-term contracts on some pieces. Get a little bit of a package back for DeRozan. Get a young asset at first, which is probably what you can get for him. And take a step back to see what your next move is going forward. Because here's the other thing. You go to try to trade Zach Levine right now, you're not getting a huge package right. back for him because of the contract extension. The contract extension, I can't say it makes him a liability. He's too good for that. But you're not getting like the Donovan Mitchell package right now for Zach Levine when he's under that contract, Jay. You're just not. But if he plays a year and plays well around a group of young guys and you're one year deeper into that deal, all of a sudden, it's a little bit of a different ballgame. And that's where I, that's kind of the, the needle I would thread if I was the Bulls front office is I would say, you know what? The older guys we have to say goodbye to, but Zach's still young enough that we're going to keep him here, knowing that we'll have the younger guys. And if it doesn't work with Zach for another year, 
His value is likely to be higher next year, obviously, as long as he stays healthy. What do you make of all the names that are being bandied about now as we get ready to start the finals? And, you know, this is the time where agents start to cook up things and GMs start to be the unnamed sources for a lot of our favorite uh, NBA covers. Carl uh, Anthony Towns, Trey Young, like we are starting to hear the names that are out there. Um, you know, the free agent class being what it is. You know, the Bulls need shooting. I mean, Max Struess is a guy who was in their stable, hurt his knee, <laughs> moved on, and now he's playing a really high-level role for the Miami Heat. I wanted Luke Kennard at the trade deadline. was surprised when Memphis stole him for from the Clippers for the for the, for the amount that, he, they, that they paid for him. I believe it was a second-rounder, if I'm not mistaken, or something like that. But, right. Um, what do you think should be and would be attractive, not only to the Bulls, but to other teams trying to figure out what that next step is? Because I don't know. I don't know if Zach Levine and Alex Caruso to the Minnesota Timberwolves for Taurine Prince and uh, and Carl Anthony Towns is getting it done here in the city of Chicago, especially having two big men like that next to each other. We saw how that thing worked out. First of all, you either trade Zach to go young and gut it and start from scratch or you add to Zach. You don't like... You don't make any kind of lateral move with Levine. You don't trade Levine for a Levine-esque type of guy. You want to add to that. So, so that's the first thing. The second thing, what's interesting here, like, first of all, I wouldn't touch Trey Young with a 10 foot ball. I just don't think the dude's a good teammate. That's just, I, you know, that's not a guy I'm Thank going you. near and you're going to have to overpay to get him. He is a friggin' statue on defense, dude. I mean, I honestly, you could, I, I've seen these teams continue to run pick and roll at him. And, and listen, very brilliant offensive player. He really mm-hmm. is. I just don't think you win with him. I really don't. So I, I that's not a guy I go near. I'll tell you what's interesting. And I'll, I'll, I'll do a little ring across promotion here because I was listening right. to Rosillo's podcast earlier today and he had CJ McCollum on and, McC- mm-hmm. and, and, and Ryan did a great interview with him, by the way. But the point, Ryan, Ryan asked him a question flat out about what he knows about Dane for all the years he spent with them, their friendship. What does he think may happen there? And he made a great point. He said, listen, either they're going to use the number three to add to Dane or they're going to trade Dane. And that's an interesting guy. Now, again, if I'm the Bulls, I'm done giving up picks after this draft, right? These are the la- This pick is the last pick that the Bulls have outstanding. I think there's one more for DeRozan. Maybe there's one, one more for DeRozan. Okay. Mm-hmm. So then one more for DeRozan. But geez, it, would you have enough with a Patrick Williams as a lead piece to be able to go out and try to make a, a bid on Dane and, and, and kind of gut your future and put Dane next to Zach and hope it does something in the East? It's a thought. Like it has to be a thought. You have to kick the tires on that. I think Dane's going to be available. You know, I have heard rumblings that Philly could end up blowing this thing up if Harden leaves. Like, you know, and Embiid made the sign. I just don't want to do this anymore on my own. And if that happens, and I think Joel Embiid's a guy that you have to keep an eye on. Listen, we don't know what's going to happen in these Eastern Conference Finals. I have no idea what the Boston Celtics ownership group is going to do regarding luxury tax when Jalen Brown's eligible for a $50 million a year extension. You know, keep in mind, one of the reasons Joe Mazzulla struggled so badly here, Jay, is because they haven't given him anybody on his bench. They haven't devoted any resources to it. When Mazzulla got promoted from an assistant, they didn't replace him as an assistant. They never replaced Will Hardy. And Damon Stoudemire left during the middle of the season to, to go take the Georgia Tech job, who was his lead mm-hmm. assistant. So they're not willing to spend money on coaches. Are you really going to go, like, can we count on them to go that far with Jalen Brown? And what if Jalen Brown's available? There's ultimately, because here's the other thing that's hanging over this whole league right now, the new CBA. The fact is, with a second tax apron, 
that serves as I know they were talking. The league was talking about their, the, you know, a hard cap as an upper spending limit was the word right. they used. But this is an upper spending barrier because you can't take on more money in a trade when you're up above that second apron. You have no exceptions that you're allowed to. You can't be involved in signing trades. Like it really hampers your ability. And I do think we may see, you know, some high price names that we don't necessarily think we'll see move so teams can stay away from that second apron. So this is going to be. It's not a a really it's not a huge free agency year in terms of a lot of big names being available, but I think it's going to be as vibrant a trade market as we've seen, and I think that's going to start drafting. So shortly before, uh, I think it was halftime of uh, Thursday night's Game 5 between the Heat and Celtics, my phone notification goes off, and I look at it, and it says, King James is going live. And I'm like, oh, we haven't seen this in a while. So I click on the old Instagram button, and uh, by the way, his lives are a lot different than other NBA players. Tiny bit different. Tiny bit, tiny bit. bit different in, ter- in terms of bit. brand management. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> Poquito. Um, so it's him at Bronny's graduation. And this looks beautiful. Everybody's capping gown in it. And I'm thinking to myself, because this is a conversation that I had about what was the pandemic three years ago, four years ago. So it started four years ago. So this is about maybe five or six years ago. Sunday, rec league open gym, you know, with me and the fellas. And we got we start talking about what the league is gonna look like after LeBron. And my man, young Wayne, who does a lot of work for Nike and, and a lot of the Nike events, um, All-Star Weekend, all these other things. Good dude, funny cat. He's got a podcast with Lil Rel Howry that you guys should go check out if you get a chance. But me and him get into this thing about, oh, the league's going to be, he starts saying, the league's going to be fine, the league's going to be fine. I, I said, hey, man, it's, it's going to be a chasm. Like, when somebody carries the league for 20 years, it's going to be the same thing like when Jordan left, when you had Stephon Marbury and Allen Iverson and Tracy McGrady and Kobe Bryant and everybody trying to figure out what the league was going to, you know, root its foundation in. With what's happening right now with some of the younger players in the NBA and also the LeBron bit of this, we're starting to see a, a day that we, we didn't, well, we knew it would ca- come at some point, but we, we weren't thinking about it up until maybe a couple of years ago. And now this man might go under the knife for the first time in two decades, right? Like we haven't heard of that and we haven't, you know, talked about that. So if he does have offseason surgery, what do you think about the retirement talks? And also what's next for the league? Because American born, and I've talked about it on this pod, American born basketball players are becoming a, uh, uh, a, a risky, yeah, yeah. A risk, there it is, a, a, a risky bet is what I was going to say. But yeah, <laughs> you, you look at Joel, you look at Giannis, you look at Jokic. I mean, and Luka. then it's going to be all, yeah, and Luca, right? And then it's going to be all the kid, the, the kids of ex NBA players. So the NBA middle class is going to be cut out of there. So it's going right. to be kids who out here trying to, you know, get out of their mama's house and, and buy mama a new one. Or it's going to be guys who have been tutored for, 30, you know, 30 plus thousand hours because they were the sons of these great NBA players or any NBA player. So what do you think this thing is going to look like once LeBron steps away? Like, and how far or how, uh, how much more do we have to watch him? First of all, people were all bent out of shape over this retirement talk. The dude was one assist away from a 40 point triple double. <laughs> Okay, in 31 points in the first half, he spent the entire fourth quarter guarding either Jokic or Murray. His foot's fucking killing him, okay? He, he tore a tendon in his foot on February 28th. He's 38 years old. He's played in the league for 20 years. He's one of the three best players to ever play the game. A lot of people think he's the best player to ever play the game, 
right? Mm-hmm. The, the guy is, he's a historic figure. He's a pop culture icon. If you want to be done playing, you can be done playing. If you want to tell the, the media and the fans that you're thinking about it and you need time to think about it that night at that time, damn straight you need time to think about it. And good for him. You know what? LeBron, he's been a standard bearer of this league. You know, the thing is, Jay, when Dylan Brooks called him out, people were fucking outraged. And there was a reason people were outraged. Because it, it, it reeked of such a lack of awareness. It was not only a lack of respect. It was like, dude, how do you think that you were able to sign a contract for this amount of money when you came into the NBA, when you got your first good deal, right? Because there were standard bearers in the league that carried this league, okay? Mm-hmm. From Russell to Chamberlain, okay? From those guys to Kareem. From Kareem to Bird and Magic. From Bird and Magic to Jordan. From Jordan to Kobe and Tim Duncan. From Kobe and Tim Duncan to LeBron fucking James, okay? Like, that's how, that's the way it went. And now listen, Steph Curry, in all fairness, has become one of those types of standard bearer guys. So when LeBron leaves, there will still be, hopefully, for a couple years to hang your hat on Curry. But then you're right. Then what? And then that, and that's what's interesting here. The league is looking to Giannis for that, Jay. They are looking to Giannis to be that guy, to be in the finals every year, to be that face of the league. Giannis has got the right personality for it. He's just, people adore him. The thing is, from a basketball standpoint, like you still, to be that guy, it's great that you have all those things. And it's great that Giannis is so good. You gotta fucking win, right? You gotta be there. That's what you have to do, dude. So what's interesting is that this brand new public love affair with Nikola Jokic has me fascinated in the, in the framework of the question that you just asked. Because look, I've had people come up to me and being like, holy shit, I never watched this, this casual fans. I never watched this guy play before. It's fucking great. Duh. I mean, it's my one, two straight MVPs. Yeah, he's right. great. You know, so like, but the point is, is, is there's a lovable likability for him. Here's my point also to your point about the international player. This is the, the, the next standard bearer of this league is going to be an international player and it's likely to be either Giannis or, or Jokic. We talk about really right now, frankly, we talk about Jokic more in historical terms than we do Giannis. Mm-hmm. I mean, listen, you know, I, I've interviewed Bob Ryan a shit ton of times. And Bob Ryan will say the same thing every time you ask him about Jokic, okay? And Bob Ryan has seen more basketball a thousand times more than any of us right now to cover the league. And Bob Ryan will tell you that Nikola Jokic is the best passing big man I've ever seen in my life, and it's not close. And he used to say that about Bill Wall. Um, mm. But that, you know, Jokic is talked about in those terms even now, and the playoff success is only going to enhance that. And he's got this, like, boyish charm to him where it's all just all shucks this is fun yeah great guys i'm with i love this having a good time like it's just it's he's just really easy going watching him hug and kiss with his huge brothers and their families the other night it was like <laughs> shit that tickled me pink like these guys are like you don't want to fuck with these guys they'll kill you you know what i mean but they, but when it comes to each other loving and hugging and kissing i love that shit so like it, 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 there's something adorable about all that that i think the public can take to my point is i think the league will be okay Okay. But you, the the guy that's going to 
carry that torch. We don't know who it's going to be yet. It's got to be a guy that's in the finals and in front of the casual fans' faces a lot. And to your point, we just don't know who the fuck it is. Yeah. It's, uh, hopefully, for San Antonio's sake, it's Big V Dub. Like yes. Big Victor <laughs> Wembanyama. Yeah, people got to slow up. the roll a little bit there. I mean, he yeah. listen, he's going to be great. He's got twenty eight percent from three this year. All right, so right. let's he'll right. be very good, and he's you know be a great player. But let's take it a little easy with Victor Dub. Let it happen. Let yeah, it happen. Yeah, let it, let it happen. Let it happen. Speaking of letting it happen, man, uh, I only asked for 15, 20 minutes of your time, and you gave me a lot more. You Kelsey, get as much as you want, to, As much hey, as you bro, want. I love this. I appreciate you so very much. I'm sure the Chicago fans uh, will appreciate it as well. And anytime you jump on Chicago radio, I always like to think, man, I did that. My man, Guilty, got did. introduced to the audience through, through uh, you know, when I was on Magnus Speaks. Yeah, I mean, That's yeah, correct. Yeah, Speaks. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I'm on so. with, with our guy, Dan. Dan Bernstein all the time and Dan Bernstein's oh, yeah. college roommate's an old good friend of mine and we just kind of made that connection in the last couple of years um, sure. and you were originally the one that introduced me to Dan so I'm grateful man I really am it's like you know I, I love that. Oh dude nah I, I, I'm grateful for you I'm grateful for you uh, enjoyed working with you at Sirius XM NBA Radio you do an amazing job as always I love your analysis I love your candor I love your wit and uh, your content is uh, excellent and continues to be excellent thank you for giving us some of your time on the full go man i truly truly appreciate you it is my pleasure jay and i gotta tell you you're doing a fantastic job in this pod i love it i listen to it all the time doing a super job and the ringer's awesome i i consuming yeah. that content like a lunatic um you're the best dude <laughs> thank you for having me let's do it again soon and, and let's be in touch soon yes sir ladies and gentlemen brian geltziler of sirius xm nba radio and nba tv fame joining us right here on the full go podcast it's the full go that's all the time we have for episode 247 of the Full Go Podcast. I want to thank my guest, Brian Geltziler. Geltzi, you can uh, holler at him on Sirius XM NBA Radio. Of course, he does the spots on NBA TV as well. Uh, one of the more knowledgeable dudes talking, covering, watching, and just breathing basketball in the country. All right, so make sure you uh, stay tuned in to all of his content. want to thank our production staff, as always, the shadowy figure that is known as Steve Cerruti, my main man, Tony Gill, and, of course, the chief vibe officer and the smooth guy, the smooth criminal, the the, the man who uh, makes this thing really, really run. And the guy who just makes me smile anytime I see his face, my man, Chris Sutton. For the fellas, I am Jason Goff. Thank you so much for hanging out with us once again. Thank you for downloading this thing. Thank you for subscribing to this thing. Thank you for following it, sharing it with your family and friends. Make sure if you're rating and reviewing us, you're giving us the five stars that you know we need. If not, we're going to see you in the streets. The voicemail line is 773-359-3103. You can leave all your thoughts there. And if they're arable or coherent, at least, uh, we will play them right here on this pod. So go ahead and holler at us on the voicemail line we will catch you on sunday all right looking forward to it we will catch you on sunday night uh, we have a special guest joining us on sunday so make sure you are tuned in but until then as always we leave you with this take care of each other be safe and remember to stay sucker free 